0: We have spent the last two weeks visiting best places in the world to retire, and some of those were very inviting. Now the question is, am I really ready to retire? January articles in Forbes and Kiplinger magazines offer important considerations to help us make that decision. Kiplinger's January 13th, You Are Not Ready to Retire Until You Can Answer These Seven Questions by Andy Schwartz. Forbes, January 4th, Scared of Retirement? Practicing Poverty Might Help You by Jonathan Luck Jr. And also in Forbes, January 28th, Retirement Planning How to Get Out of Debt Before Retirement by Emily Guy Birkin. You are not ready to retire until you can answer these seven questions. The obvious ones include how will you claim Social Security and whether you have enough money to retire. But there are also other issues to think about as well, and some have nothing to do with money. You know what they say about timing. It's everything. That's especially true about retirement. COVID-19 has thrown many well-laid retirement plans into disarray. Maybe you planned to work a few more years, but now your industry is in upheaval, and you're ready to call it quits. Or perhaps retirement was around the corner for you, but now you're worried about an economic downturn, so you plan to stay on the job longer. Clearly, there's a lot that goes into deciding your optimal retirement date. It requires a careful analysis of your finances to be sure that your assets are adequate to support you in the retirement you want. But there are also deeper non-financial considerations. Has your industry experienced so much dislocation that remaining on the job doesn't seem like an option anymore? Will you find meaning and purpose in what you do next? Finances are only one component of retirement planning. There are emotional considerations as you move into the next stage of your life. You want to make sure that you are emotionally prepared for retirement because it may be hard to change course. For that reason, our firm employs a life coach to help our clients work through those emotional issues. I encourage everyone thinking about retirement to work with one, too. Because retirement has so many moving parts, I recommend starting the conversation at least five years before your target date. Here's the first question. How much more do I have left in the tank? Retiring at 65 may be a thing of popular culture, but it's far from a hard and fast rule. With today's longevity trends, retiring at 65 could mean being retired nearly as long as you spent in your career. That's not what many people want. If you love your job, or even if you don't mind it, why retire? Just because the calendar says you're at retirement age doesn't mean that that's the right path for you. On the other hand, if you can't stand the thought of even one more day at work, Maybe the solution isn't retirement, but a change to your work situation. Maybe you need a job or new responsibilities at your current job. On the other hand, you might consider reducing your hours so that you have more time for other more gratifying pursuits. Question two, what will I do in retirement? For many people, their identity is wrapped up in what they do for a living. Without the structure of a workday, it's not uncommon to feel unmoored in retirement. I've found that to be especially true for clients who run their own businesses. Your retirement will be a lot more gratifying if you are retiring to something rather than retiring from something. Spend the year before your intended retirement, mapping out your time in retirement, whether it's traveling, spending time with family, learning, volunteering, or consulting. And question three, do I have enough money to retire? As a financial advisor, this is the question I get most often as people are contemplating retirement. There are several questions wrapped up into this. On the one hand, people want to know if their assets will support an income stream that's sufficient to fund their lifestyle. On the other, they aren't sure how much income they will need in retirement. The reason is that they haven't figured out the answer to question number two. If you don't know how you will spend your time, it's hard to know how much money you will need. A retirement full of travel to far-flung locales and golfing obviously costs much more than one of hiking and volunteering at your local school. However you plan to spend your retirement, make sure you factor in a reasonable rate of inflation, around 3% per year, into your calculations. If you peg your initial retirement income at $10,000 a month, that won't be enough 10 years from now. Question 4. How will I pay for health care? Health care is most retirees' largest expense, yet it's one that many people don't adequately plan for. If you are retiring before age 65, you need to think about how you will pay for health insurance before Medicare kicks in. You will probably have the option to buy COBRA from your previous employer, but those policies can be pricey and only last for up to 18 months. What will you do for insurance until you are eligible for Medicare? You can purchase private health insurance on your own, but these plans are expensive. You might be able to find more affordable options through the Affordable Care Act Healthcare Exchange in your state. Remember, even with Medicare, you can still have significant out-of-pocket healthcare outlays. According to the Fidelity Retiree Health Cost Estimate, a 65-year-old couple retiring in 2020 will need $295,000 to pay for medical costs not covered by Medicare. And don't forget about long-term care, which has the potential to derail your retirement if not accounted for properly. Consider this. A private room in a nursing home averages over $8,800 a month, reports Genworth, the insurance company. What's more, a person turning 65 today has a 70% chance of needing some type of long-term care, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Question 5. What are my current liabilities and will they go away once I retire? Your retirement doesn't solely impact you. It may have ripple effects. For example, some people might be paying alimony to an ex-spouse or be supporting adult children? Will you be able to continue this level of support once you turn off your income spigot? Naturally, you may be willing to work a few years longer if your children aren't yet grown or you are legally obligated to continue spousal support, but if you are supporting adult children, now might be a good time to stop paying their way so you don't have to worry about outliving your money. Question six, where will I live? Where to live is the age-old retirement question. Moving to a state with a lower cost of living and low state income taxes can help you stretch your retirement dollars. Before you sell your Pacific Northwest house in lieu of a spread in the Sun Belt, Consider your decision from multiple angles. Some states, such as Texas, don't tax income, but they have high sales and property taxes to make up for it. Others might have the tax savings you crave, but they might not offer the access to high-quality health care providers you need to make it a comfortable retirement. And question seven, am I maximizing Social Security? For all the talk about insolvency, Social Security still makes up a big part of most people's retirement income and probably will for the foreseeable future. The average retiree receives 40% of their pre-retirement income from Social Security. But the program is complicated and requires you to weigh several decisions in order to maximize its benefit. The most crucial is timing. You are first eligible to take Social Security at 62, but collecting prior to your full retirement age, between 66 and 67, will mean a reduced benefit. If, on the other hand, you wait beyond your full retirement age, your benefit will likely increase by 8% a year until age 70. Try finding a risk-free rate of return anywhere else. Knowing when to retire can be complicated. It's full of financial and emotional decisions. Like all good plans, it's better to start evaluating your options well in advance and working with a professional. Content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. It is a hypothetical example and not representative of any specific situation. The article was written by and presents the views of our contributing advisor, not the Kiplinger editorial staff. Next, Jonathan Look Jr. asks, Scared of retirement? Practicing poverty might help. Running out of money is an anxiety that keeps even well-prepared potential retirees in jobs that they hate and keeps many fresh retirees in a state of perpetual dread. The what-ifs and buts of living on savings or a fixed income keeps untold thousands from making the leap to retirement and realizing their dreams. While our most precious asset, time, keeps slipping away, we fret and agonize over our well-considered plans and worry about when enough is really enough. Financial anxiety has been a concern since the beginning of recorded history. Stoic philosopher Lucius Aeneas Seneca talked about the crippling effects of economic uncertainty from Rome as far back as the first century CE. He pointed out, And more recent studies have confirmed that our financial fears seem to be overblown and relatively removed from the reality of most of our actual economic situations. Even today, workers who have planned well and accumulated more cash than they can realistically spend in a lifetime can't get past the nagging dread of moving from the stage of accumulating assets to living off of them. Seneca, one of the most influential men of his time, realized that most fears have crippling effects upon us and devised a way to help overcome them. One of his techniques, what is now known as negative visualization, is to imagine worst case scenarios and realize that, although undesirable, we would find ways to persevere. This technique blunts our fears and robs them of their power. When it came to financial worries, he took it a step further and physically practiced living with diminished resources, what Stoic scholars today call practicing poverty. In Seneca's words, appoint certain days on which to give up everything and make yourself at home with next to nothing. Start cultivating a relationship with poverty, for no one is worthy of God unless he has paid no heed to riches. I am not, mind you, against your possessing them. But I want to ensure that you possess them without tremors. and this, you will only achieve in one way, by convincing yourself that you can live a happy life even without them, and by always regarding them as being on the point of vanishing. I had never heard of Seneca's technique 10 years ago before I retired and moved to Mexico, but I managed to stumble upon it by accident. I had just stopped working, and I hadn't begun receiving my pension. I had locked most of my savings into accounts that I couldn't access so I had cash flow problems. I wasn't poor but financially I was in a bind I had not experienced since my early 20s. I was living with my ex-wife in an out-of-season rental on the beach in southern Mexico. It sounds exotic and it was, but we were living in paradise for far less than we would have to pay to rent a nondescript apartment off a noisy freeway in Dallas. We would get by on rice, tortillas, and maybe a little fish or octopus that we brought from our fishermen neighbors, because there were few other options. Payment was walking on the empty beaches, reading books and swimming. We were in a place where, even if we wanted to spend a lot of money, we couldn't do it. This situation forced me from a consumerist mindset into an essentialist one. We needed shelter, food, and water, and something to entertain ourselves, but that was it. We were spending an amount that was meager by our previous standards, but with a changed mindset. It was enough. I realized that, even though we weren't spending money, life was good anyway. Make no mistake, experimenting with poverty is not the same as living in poverty. Anyone could say with justification that I was a poverty dilettante or pretender, that a person with resources and hope can never know the hopelessness of truly being impoverished. I don't seek to minimize the plight of people who are indeed in poverty. However, I count among my friends some very poor and some very wealthy people. My poor friends have more to teach us about resilience and what is necessary for a contented life than those on the upper side of comfortable. There has been another unexpected outcome of my experiment. Knowing that I can get by with less has enabled me the confidence to enjoy the fruits of my investments without the fear of running dry. Conversely, it has also made me realize that making frivolous purchases doesn't make me happy or improve my life. Yes, you may get a small rush of endorphins when you buy yourself that treat, But when the newness wears off, your level of happiness returns to normal. Practicing poverty is an exercise to demonstrate how worrying about money for superfluous consumption is a waste of life. It is a way of showing yourself that what you fear may not be the thing you should be worried about. Practicing poverty helps me realize that no matter how bad things became, I could thrive on but a fraction of what I had become accustomed to by using my wits and newfound borderless life. That knowledge has made all of the difference. And finally, also from Forbes, retirement planning, how to get out of debt before retirement. Retiring with debt is often considered a cardinal financial sin. Every dollar you owe reduces your income in retirement, after all. But on the other hand, blindly prioritizing debt reduction before retirement savings, particularly for low-interest debt, could shortchange your nest egg. That's why people nearing retirement need to weigh the costs and benefits of paying off debts versus saving for retirement, said Brenton Harrison, a Nashville-area financial advisor. If I wiped away all of your debt tomorrow, you would probably feel a huge sense of relief. But if you have zero dollars in the bank, you are still not ready to retire, he says. The challenge is calibrating your debt repayment to ensure it's doing the most for your retirement plan, said Certified Financial Planner Brandon Renfro. First, pay down high interest rate debt and then move to a mix of debt repayment and investing when your debt interest rates are less than potential stock market returns. For most people, that means liquidating credit card debt and private student loans before moving on to balance retirement investing against paying off federal student loans, car loans, and your mortgage. Let's take a closer look at how you can manage those four main types of debt as you sketch out your retirement plan. Howard Dvorkin, CPA and chairman of Debt.com, has a dire warning about carrying credit card debt into retirement. Right now, credit card interest rates are hovering around 20%, Dvorkin says. That means you are paying a dollar for every five you borrowed. Paying interest rates this high would hamstring your finances at any stage of life, let alone when you are living on a fixed income in retirement. That means you need to prioritize paying down as much high-interest debt as possible before you stop working, and then keep from accruing any new credit card debt. For most people, the first step is to simply stop using credit cards. Yes, it's possible to use credit responsibly and pay off new balances each month while also attacking your old debt. But be honest with yourself about your spending habits. If you can't pay for new spending out of pocket and also cover your existing minimum, you will never make progress on your existing balance. Once you have a plan to avoid future credit card debt, Determine which of your cards has the highest interest rate. You will want to keep making at least the minimum payment on all of your cards, of course. But by targeting extra payments toward your most expensive, that is, high interest credit card debt, you will save more money in the long run. Once that's covered, turn your focus to your next highest interest card. Eliminating your credit card debt prior to retirement is your most important job. As Dvorkin puts it, credit cards and retirement don't mix, or they do mix, like gasoline and an open flame. Next, eliminate student loans. Student loans might seem like a concern for people who are far from being in the trenches with retirement planning, but education debt is increasingly a problem for those nearing retirement. In 2017, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, found that consumers age 60 and older are the fastest-growing age segment of the student loan market, with approximately two and eight-tenths million adults over age 60 carrying student loan debt at an average balance of $23,500. Many Older student loan holders are not the primary borrowers. They are co-signers on loans for their children or grandchildren. And in many cases, these older borrowers don't fully understand the financial liability they were signing up for should the primary signer default on payments, according to the CFPB they often have trouble accessing information about the loans for which they are responsible because the primary borrower has the account information, said the CFPB. Staying on top of student loan repayments is particularly dire for retirees. Defaulting on federal student loan debt, for example, could mean having Social Security benefits garnished by up to 15% per benefit check, until the debt is repaid. To clear your own or co-signed family member's student debt prior to retiring, the first hurdle is determining exactly what you owe and what your loan terms are. To find what federal student loans you may be responsible for, you will want to check out the National Student Loan Data System, NSLDS, at studentaid.gov. You will need a federal student aid ID to log in, which you can create at this government website if you don't already have one. Once you have logged in, you can see all of your federal student loans on your dashboard. Private student loans may be more difficult to find, especially because these loans may sometimes be sold to another private loan servicer. If you are unable to identify who holds your student loan, you can find that information on your credit report, which shows all of your current debts, including any student loans that you carry. And now some strategies for paying off student loans. Once you know your student loan balance and terms, start planning the debt payoff, calculating how much you can afford to send to your lender above the minimum payment can help you speed up the process. The goal is to retire without student debt. But what if you can't comfortably pay off student debt and save for retirement? If you have federal loans, you have a few options. You may be able to alter your repayment plan or put your loans on deferment or forbearance. These repayment options may give you some breathing room for reaching your debt payoff goal, as well as allow you to prioritize saving for retirement for a period of time. Note, as part of COVID-19-related economic relief, Automatic forbearance for federal student loans has been extended through at least September 2021, meaning borrowers will accrue no new interest on their principals until then. In addition, if you are disabled, you may be able to discharge your loan entirely if your disability is not expected to improve. Finally, some lenders allow for a co-signer to be released after the primary borrower makes a certain number of on-time payments. Private student loan relief may prove trickier as there are no standard relief options. Check with your lender to see if you can negotiate repayment options. Regardless of your student loan provider, though, Remember one thing, for optimal returns, you'll probably want to prioritize saving for retirement alongside paying off student loans, provided you can make at least minimum payments. For most people, then, it may make the most financial sense to prioritize saving for retirement over all but higher interest private student loans. Get rid of car loans. Some people aren't too worried about outstanding car loans and retirement. Car loans have relatively low interest rates, and unlike many loans, generally use simple compounding, meaning they cost less over time than other debts. That said, unnecessary car loans could be dangerous because they have the tendency to creep up, said Renfro. Not only is it possible to go underwater with an auto loan, but they can let you purchase more car than you need. There are several easy fixes to take care of your car loan before retirement. First, determine if you need to remain a two-car household after retirement. Since many retirees drive less than they did while working, you may be able to sell one car, thereby getting rid of at least one loan. Use the savings on car insurance and upkeep, as well as any sales proceeds, to pay off your remaining vehicle's loan. If you're tied to the number of cars you currently have, you might consider trading in at least one for a less expensive model that you could own outright. If you intend to keep your current cars and loans, work to pay off the loans and keep the cars for several years after owning them outright. Regardless of what method you choose to pay off your car, start setting aside that amount of your monthly loan payment once you're in the black. And now, pay off mortgage retirement? Well, paying off your mortgage before you retire could be more of an emotional move than a strategic decision. Mortgage rates tend to be low, and most people heading into retirement can expect to get more value by investing than speeding up their mortgage payoff. An early mortgage payoff can also have tax implications. Mortgage loans offer homeowners the potential to deduct the interest they pay on their loan and their property taxes as well, said Harrison. Renfro emphasizes the importance of feeling good about your decision. If paying off a mortgage relaxes you to the point of improving your quality of life, then you should give proper weight to your decision. Consider these options. Perhaps the most obvious is sending extra payments to your lender. You could also downsize by selling your house and using the proceeds to purchase a less expensive home in full. If you want to stay in your current home, you may be able to save by refinancing your mortgage to have a shorter loan term. And if you choose to wait until retirement to pay off your mortgage, make sure that you have budgeted for mortgage payments in your retirement savings until you have paid the house off in full. Is it ever okay to retire with debt? Well, carrying your debts into retirement is obviously not ideal. Research has shown that seniors who retire without mortgages, for instance, face less financial insecurity than their peers who don't. But being unable to pay off all of your debt before you retire will not doom you to an impoverished second act. The important thing is to prioritize your finances in the years leading up to retirement. As long as you have a plan for conquering your debt, carrying some into retirement doesn't have to derail your plans. Well, that's all the retirement tips I have for you today. I hope they can be of help to any who are in the retirement planning stage of life. Thanks for listening to Silver Threads today, and until next week, I'm Kathy Van Squyke.